time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Good to have you with us, everybody. It is Monday, September 14th, 2020. If you did not get a chance to go listen to the podcast that we broadcast on Labor Day, I had my old friend CJ DeSantis on. We're talking about a really interesting article that got published. So love to get your feedback on that. Also, then we played the last Ainsworth Advisor August uh, summation of the comments about what we think you can view the industry as. Very interesting comments. There's one comment from Joe Murin that was really interesting. And I encourage you to go listen to that podcast from last week if you didn't listen to it, if you haven't already done so. We're so thrilled to have you as our listener. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we honor all the CMBs listening to here. And I'm stressing that just a little bit because of our guest just getting her CMB. I'm so excited about that. I'm about to get mine. I hope I hope. Fingers crossed. Anyway, we're grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. A lot of people keep asking, are you really going to do a video? Yes, we are. Just uh, had some delays here. My wife broke her shoulder. Man, it's amazing how when your your life partner goes down, (laughs) it's a challenge. But anyway, our hot topic today is one that should be near and dear to everybody. We're talking about specifically the earning levels of what's going on with IMBs. Housing Wire published an article that said the IMBs nearly tripled their net gain per loan in the second quarter. This came out of the MBA Research Department headed up by Marina Walsh. She's Vice President of Industry Analysis and many of us think she's like our favorite analyst out there because she always delivers the news with a smile whether it be good or otherwise so we're excited to have her and joining me on this podcast will be les parker as well as all the regulars and we're going to be asking marina a bunch of great questions and we're going to be focusing in on earnings what's driving this and so can't wait for her to be on here and again the best news is marina just is the latest CMB to join the ranks of CMBs. There are many of them out there. Alice, Les, Andy is already a CMB, and Alice is a master CMB, so how about that? Anyway, so good to have her with us, uh, Marina, and we'll have her join us in the Hot Topics, so stay tuned all the way through. We're thrilled to be a part of the Industry Syndicate, so check out all the podcasts at industrysyndicate.com, as well as a part of mortgagemedia.com. Special shout out to all our listeners. There's so many listeners are writing us right now with how much this podcast means to them, how much this is helping them. I'm thrilled, particularly, I want to focus on those that are new to the industry, how they're finding this podcast being one that is helping them grow and accelerate. The MBA's got some great programs through the MBA Educational Department. Uh, Jeff Schumer heads that up, and so we're thrilled to have that. But we're a free resource that's out there to help you grow in the industry. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Again, we have Marina Walsh representing them here today. We always stress the importance of getting signed up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. Every time we mention their sponsorship of the podcast, we're thrilled to have them 
But it's most important that they're here to help you have your voice heard, especially on the Hill. So folks, join Mortgage Acts Alliance. You should join the MBA. But the good news is you do not have to be a member of the MBA to have your voice heard through the Mortgage Action Alliance, something that the MBA has set up, and I recommend you download their app so that you can have your voice heard on the Hill. The MBA does a great job of representing us and our interest there, so please sign up for that. Also, very excited to have Benastra as a sponsor. Check out their Fusion Mortgage Bot product, as well as Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these co-ops help create competitive advantages for lenders and vendor members. Also, we're a part of the CMLA, Community Mortgage Lenders of America. Again, I love how these organizations work together. The MBA, CMLA, the Lenders One, and the Mortgage Collaborative, we're all working together to help you be more successful. Oh, by the way, in CMLA, we've got Michael Jones gonna be coming on as our guest next week. Uh, excited about that. Then we also have Indicom offers automated solutions. Go check out our recent podcast where we had Linda Bomar on as well as one of the executives talking about uh, RPA. It's August 31st, robotic process automation. And uh, also we talk about AI and what they're doing in that area. Again, listen, Celerate, this company helps lenders close more loans by engaging more effectively with their prospects and customers. Also, we have Ainsworth Advisors. Again, we featured Ainsworth on our last podcast on Labor Day. Check out that. Again, that's a board of advisory service. It's one of my companies that I own, and I'm so thrilled to provide that as a service. Board of advisory service. It's form as a board of directors, but it's a board of advisory service. Also, celebrity home loans growing rapidly through acquisitions, as well as Innovient. Uh, Ted Kramer and the team there do a great job of optimizing your executions. It's a business intelligence tool that you need to check out, as well as KnowledgeCube. They do a great job of helping you with a learning management system, as well as Mobility RE as well as Modex. Both of these companies help you identify who out there is the next best candidate for your company. It allows you to get material, real, live information on LOs and processors that you're recruiting in your company. So check them all out along with VendorServe, Velma, and Vidyard. Finally, also special thank you goes to Alice, Andy, Allen, Matt, and Les for their contributions each and every week. For those of you who are listening live, just stay right here because we're going to get right into the hot topic segment. Welcome to the Licking on Lending hot topic segment for this week. We're so excited to have joining us today, Marina Walsh. She's vice president and industry analyst of the MBA. Also joining us as you hear him each week is Les Parker, but we have him on live this week uh, as he too knows Marina and will be asking some of the questions that we have. Les and Marina, welcome both of you live to the podcast. Marina, so good to have you back. Great to be back. Thanks for having me, Dave. And congratulations on a major accomplishment getting your CMB. I think that's just so outstanding. And it is such an accomplishment when you realize what goes into that. Come on, for those that are on the fence, Marina, just tell why people should go through this. I mean, isn't it quite an amazing journey? It's an amazing journey. It's about nine months worth. It took a little longer because of COVID and setting up online proctors. But I would say it's a great networking opportunity, too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you go in, here I am celebrating my 20-year anniversary with MBA. And the CMB is that milestone that I wanted to achieve um, as part of this anniversary year. It, it was an involved process. It hits mm -hmm. every single aspect of mortgage 
blending um, in a six-hour exam. You have to take the course as part of it. It's a six-week six course that starts in January. But I would encourage anyone to reach out to me if they want more information on it. But it's a great way to meet a lot of incredible people in the industry as well through my study group, through sponsorship. Yep. So. Yeah, the study groups are just so really good, and we connect, and you have a new network, but it's a part of a group that really have taken this industry or taken their professional career commitment to another level. I think it's outstanding you've done it. I'm excited to say I've completed. Can't wait to get through in the testing, so that six-hour test I don't know about, but we're here to talk about something else that's amazing this year, and that is earnings that are these all-time record levels that the MBA has kept? Is this all-time record? Yeah. They are records for our quarterly performance report data. We're at 167 basis points, which translates into about 45, a little bit higher than $4,500 alone in net profits. So that's after you pay your loan officers, after you pay all the processors, underwriters, closers, all your technology costs, companies are making $4,500 per loan. So the last time we were even close to that was in 2012 during the height of the HARP refinancings when we were at about 120 basis points. Okay. So this is certainly um, a record for our performance report that goes back to um, 2008. Les, get you in on this discussion right away. You were so gracious to send over what the MBA published, uh, net pre-tax production profits. And Q4 2018, it was a negative three BIPs. First quarter 2019, 18 BIPs, basis points by BIPs for those of you who are new to the industry. Second Q2 a year ago was 63 BIPs, 79 BIPs through third quarter and fourth quarter, 50 BIPs and 64 BIPs for first quarter of this year and jumping all the way up and over a hundred bit bump. Les, your thoughts on all of this and then let you fire off the first question to Marina. It's really astonishing, isn't it? It's about two years ago, if you look at volumes, volumes have tripled in many mortgage companies over the last two years and now they're earnings have tripled, so or their margins have tripled. So Marina, great to have you with you. I've, I've first met you when you first joined MBA back in 2000, and you certainly had the privilege to serve under three great leaders, Doug Duncan and Jay Brinkman, and now Mike Pratt and Tony. It's a privilege to know you're certainly one of the top analysts in our business. I put you right up there with Marty Young over at Goldman Sachs and Lori Goodman. It's great to have you on the show. Oh, thank you, Les. Appreciate that. You are wonderful. And you are, by the way, my favorite presenter every time I go to a conference is if you're presenting, you do such a great job in the way you bring insight. So your comments to Housing Wire, you noted that how total production expenses has yeah. also dropped, that it went from just under 9000 per loan to now just above 7000 alone, so about an $800, $850 per loan drop. And those expenses as commissions and occupancy, compensation, equipment. So what was really driving the drop in expenses? On the expense side, if you look through the detail, it's not sales expenses that are driving this. Um, going back to some of the comments that Andy made on sales compensation, the expenses are really being caused by this record volume 
And fixed cost divided by this record volume means that on a per loan basis, costs are dropping. But it's mostly in the processing, underwriting, closing, overall fulfillment side as opposed to the sales side. Because at the same time, we have record loan balances. And since loan officers are paid in basis points, fixed amount on basis points, their their compensation is certainly not dropping. And so I think in terms of loan balances, we're at about $282,000 per loan on average, which also is a study record. But honestly, the story in terms of that net production income is not an expense story. Yes, we saw a bit of a drop, but that is not a steady record. The real story is on the revenue side, whether it's due to capacity management issues, whether it's definitely related to the Fed and our incredibly low interest rates and this incredible borrower demand and MBS purchases, we're we're looking at revenues of 429 basis points, which translates into a little over $11,500 per loan in in revenues. So it's important to know it is a revenue story. Productivity is looking really good. So Mm -hmm. expenses are involved, but really in terms of the record levels, it's, it's being driven primarily by the revenue. With the industry running this hot, what type of capacity problems is the industry having to deal with? Not just trying to find people, but also to manage people when they're having to do so much. Is this productivity going to be sustained? Yeah, that's a very good question because we we just had a human resources symposium last week, and this was a big topic of conversation. When people have their, quote, regular lives back, is this productivity sustainable? But yeah, we're seeing steady records in terms of productivity. We've heard from many mortgage companies saying that their employees are more productive working from home. And so in terms of sales, we're looking at closings per sales FTE of about eight loans per month, and then closings per fulfillment FTE of about seven per month. So yeah, strong results. Yeah, that's the big question is how sustainable is this going forward? And so it's tough to tell, but I would say that I think this movement to remote work is not ending anytime soon, even if the COVID pandemic were to end tomorrow. I think um, a lot of companies are rethinking their remote work arrangement because they are seeing high productivity. Are you already seeing mortgage companies deciding to shrink their space? We're from, uh, anecdotally, we're seeing people cut back space on right now by 20 to 30%. Yeah, I have not heard that much about cutting space yet, but that would certainly be on the table if they're talking about keeping a good portion of their workforce remote. I think this is coming out of some conversations Les and I are having with some of our clients. It's in the consideration stage, and I think it's advancing (laughs) further than just the consideration stage. I think it's actually moving forward. You mentioned Danny Shell. I want to get him in on the conversation, and Les, jump in a little bit later on here with some more questions, because I know you've got a lot of them. So, Andy Shell, welcome in on this interview with Marina, one of your favorite people. Thanks, Dave. Hey, Marina. It's great to have you here. Hey, Andy. So... So much we could talk about when we would go on and on about fixed overhead allocated over additional units, drives per unit cost down. But people's eyes roll back in their heads pretty quickly when we get too deep into scale economies. 
So let's focus on some stuff that's really interesting, like profits per geographic area. How are you seeing profits among independent mortgage banks differ by geographic area in the U.S.? It really depends on whether we look in basis points or dollars per loan, but the long and short is that we're seeing the highest profits in the South and the lowest profits in California right now. We have data broken out into California, Northeast, Texas, Midwest, the West without California, and then the South without Texas. And so the South without Texas is at about 178 basis points or $5,000 per loan. So on a per loan basis and in basis points, the South is looking the best. Now, loan balances come into effect because obviously in the Midwest and places of the South, their loan balances are lower than California. So if you incorporate the effects of the loan balances, California kind of bumps up to almost $4,800 per loan, which is $200 per loan shy of where the South is. So it's a pretty tight band. All regions of the country are at least 146 basis points or better, which is pretty incredible. That is. That's amazing. Thanks, Marina. So, Dave, I'll throw it back so others can participate. Good, good. Alice, i get you in on this discussion. Thanks, everybody. Hey, so, Marina, can we look ahead just for a little bit to say at some point we have refinanced the majority of the population that's, you know, eligible and it makes sense for what do you see out of these factors that's really going to have an impact as that volume drops? Yeah, and for this, I hate forecasting profitability, but officially production volume, and we've gone through about three adjustments to our forecast this year so far, and in August, you may have noticed that the MBA adjusted its forecast again for refinancing. So if you look at 2020, we're talking about a $3 trillion market, um, very close to it, 2.99, just shy of it, and of that, about $1.6 trillion is related to refinancing. Fast forward to 2021, we're looking at refinancing less than half of that. We're looking at refinancings more in the range of um, $720 billion, a pretty big change in terms of refinancing. Very bullish in terms of purchase originations continuing to go up. There's definitely housing demand, and purchase originations go up next year to about $1.4 trillion. But the the big story is going to be what happens with refinancings in 2021. So obviously that's going to influence what the overall profitability is going to be if those refinancings drop by that much. Interesting to take a look at what you know refinancing is going to do. That's a big question. I had several client calls already this morning and we're looking forward to 2021 and saying, okay, is everything that's going to be refinanced going to be refinanceable? I don't know. We, we've got to get yeah. Mike Frattoni on here, but you work with Mike. <laughs> I was so good. I invited him to join us here. He says, no, I'm not sharing the stage. I just want to get uh, Marina on here. As you look at that, now we're going to go over to Alan here in just a second. What is the NBA's latest projections on that? I know you're getting over into Mike's turf. Yeah, again, very significant drop-off in refinancings, and that really continues into 2022 on the refinancing side, but incremental increases each year in terms of the purchase side. So the purchase side, things are looking pretty good. I think in 2022 for purchases, it's going to be up pretty significantly to almost 1.5. 
So that continues to go up, but the refinancing is the piece that's really dropping down. So in 2022, we're looking at refinancings that are going to be $1.6 trillion or so for 2020. Fast forward two years, that could be down as far as $430 billion. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, yeah, very significant drop-off. My, tell Michael hello and how much we appreciate him and his forecast. I remember pulling up to the table at one of the conferences and uh, sitting there with one other economist. And then Doug Duncan pulls up the table. And I said, wow, we've got two economists. And Doug interjected quickly with his famous humor. He says, yep, and that means you're guaranteed at least three opinions, which, <laughs> which is classic. Yeah, a lot this- of people take these averages of, uh, of the three three organizations and combine them together or the two organizations and combine them so Doug's got a great sense I'm of humor I'm sticking with ours Alan Pollock good to have you here with us I know you always are focusing on technology what questions do you have for Maria Oh yeah thanks for being here again we love talking to you and obviously record volume record growth record operational efficiency, the ability to drive costs down and increase profit, all I think would not be possible if it wasn't for the technology investments that we've all been making, whether one lender directly has made those investments or their partners and relationships have made those investments. The question I'm asked obviously is with some of the analysis you've been doing, how much of it is technology focused and can be directly correlated to technology or however you think is best to answer that kind of question? Yeah, sure. Actually, we we do a tech profile survey every year, by the way. So if anyone is interested in participating in it, it's still out. And that looks primarily at the merging technologies and borrower adoption of the emerging technologies on the origination side. So I give that little plug. But in terms of what we're tracking, in terms of overall technology costs, we track the percentage of technology expense to total company expense. And right now, this is through our MBA and Stratmore Peer Group Roundtable data. Right now, we're at about 8% for a group of 100 mortgage companies. That was in 2019, so it's a bit dated, but we're talking about 8%. But interestingly, going back to some of your comments on community banks and credit unions and the large banks versus the independents, it might surprise you to know that they're actually spending more as a percentage of their total company expenses on this technology. But a lot of it might be having to do with patchworking and band-aiding the mm-hmm. existing legacy systems that it's need so to true. be able to converse with the newer systems. So interestingly, in terms of the overall cost on the you know expense side, those, those percentages are higher than the independence based on our study. At the same time, it's a matter of what that expense is going towards. Just one quick interjection there. I would completely agree. I think financial institutions lump some of that investment into their core banking platform because everything's mm-hmm. got to connect to their main system and when you're an independent mortgage lender, you don't have as much complexity to deal with. It's, it's not, not that it's mm-hmm. easy, but it's a lot easier. And when you're a financial institution, there's a lot of other pieces to the puzzle. So that technology investment is quite, it, it's quite wide. Yeah. I want to shift gears into servicing just a minute, but I also I want to briefly touch on the pull-through rate, which is interesting. That has increased from 67% of the first quarter to 71%, but it's still not up to where it was. If I understand the housing uh, wire article correctly of 78%, comment on that briefly before we go into servicing. 
I think rates were going down in the second quarter. So far, we're using their free put option and um, looking for a better rate. And so you did have that pull through. And as it is, if you have capacity management issues, uh, the loans hasn't moved along quick enough to close it, then that gives more of an opportunity for borrowers to shop around. Let's get into servicing. When you're looking at servicing overall profitability, understandably, that has taken a hit. If you can talk about that, and then I'm going to go over to Les and then wrap it up with Andy on servicing. Talk about that. Took a hit. Hmm, not surprised. Yes, it, it- It definitely took a hit. It's been taking a hit actually for quite a few quarters now. And the reason is twofold. First, you have these mortgaging servicing right write downs and amortization. So that's just due to the prepayment activity. So that's common when you look at net financial income, since we're booking the servicing asset upfront as part of your originations income statement, you amortize it on the servicing side. So I always say zero in terms of net financial income on the servicing side might be actually a good place to be because it means your model was perfect. So we were seeing a loss of $68 per loan overall. And then the the quarter before, in the first quarter, it was a loss of $171 per loan. But it's important to keep in mind two things. First of all, we're also seeing a loss in servicing income as delinquencies go up. So that's something that could continue. And another thing that we're seeing in the second quarter is a tremendous increase in the percentage of these 350 mortgage lenders retaining servicing because of the implosion Mm -hmm. in the servicing market in the second quarter. And so all of a sudden, the servicing retention went from 20% for this sample up to nearly 40%. So why is that important? It might not be important right now, but going back to Andy's comments, on save your capital, this is the gold rush right now, hold on to your cash. That means that a lot more independents may have servicing portfolios that they'll need to work through in a higher forbearance, higher delinquency environment looking forward. Of of course, depending on what happens with the overall unemployment rate and our economy. Yeah. Les Parker, and then we'll get over to you, Andy, as we wrap it up. Go ahead, Les. Servicing. It's interesting. Capital planning is becoming really dicey for 2021, it appears to me. And there's a quote that says, tell me what rates will be and I'll tell you how much money I'll make. I'm not (laughs) sure that's going to be the best way to plan for your future. But so how should mortgage companies plan for 2021, considering the 100-year flood in applications is ending and that servicing now is going to have to deal with delinquency? And that warehouse lenders and even different authorities are starting to say, ask mortgage companies, what's your plan for the future? Yeah, I think that's the key plan is to have a plan. It's important to do the stress testing and situation now where we have record profits plan for the rainy day because we know in the industry that the rainy day will come. And so it's very important to enjoy what's here now, but uh, plan for the future. Which gets it right over to Andy. You said it so well. This is the time to be making sure, deal wisely with the money you're making. Andy Shell. Thanks, Dave. Hi again, Maria. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to continue to talk about that exact topic over the next several weeks on planning for this. But one of the things that you've you touched on talking about servicing, forbearance, 
delinquency is, and also high MSR. People have been retaining servicing. We've had great profits. So potential advances have been masked with this high cash flow from the origination activity. But what happens when the delinquencies increase, refinances slow down, cash flow slows down, delinquency potentially increases even more, advances increase even more. Do you see a perfect storm in 2021? Perhaps. A lot of it is dependent, again, on what happens with our economy. We've had really mixed signals. We've had some great news on the labor front, but we're also digging out of a very deep hole in terms of overall unemployment claims. So it's really hard to tell, but that's why MBA has been pushing an overall liquidity facility beyond the Ginny May liquidity facility and the cap of four months for the Fannie and Freddie loans. So it's something that we continue to think will, you know, whether it's used or not, it just provides some uh, confidence for the market to, to have that general liquidity facility in place. But you're right. Now we were saved by all these prepayments. You could use the prepayments for the advances, which has helped. And But still, we, we are looking at, for instance, record high delinquencies in the second quarter for FHA. And that's mm. the highest in 1979. So yeah. there's wow. no... Yeah, you can't really hide that. It's there. That's actually the loan type we're most concerned about is what's going to happen with FHA. But I think we're in a better place than we were for the last recession in that there are a lot of loss mitigation options in place. And in addition to that, it's a different situation with the housing markets where we have limited inventory out there. That presents, and we still have home price appreciation. So we have a situation where there are more exit strategies beyond foreclosure. And I think that the agencies are doing a pretty good job of rolling out these new loss mitigation options. So I think it's a really different place than we were in the last crisis. That's good to hear. Thank you very much, Marina. Yeah, so great information. Folks, we're getting a lot of questions in. How can people get access to your latest uh, report on this? Yes, the full report is available if you go to www.mba.org forward slash performance report. There is a little bit of a fee involved, but our full press release is online if you want to just look at the press release. But again, www.mba.org forward slash performance report. The press release is great, but you really need to get the report, folks. So if you want to take a look at it, there's a lot of great detail work in that. And uh, Marina, to you and your staff, we say kudos for the work that you do. Thank you. It's a great service to the industry. Appreciate you so much for coming on. Mike was right. Why would uh, Mike, Michael Fratoni, who I also invited to come on, you guys do so well <laughs> as you present together. And so, Michael, one other question that came in, you mentioned the HR symposium that happened last week. Uh, is there anything mm-hmm. that was ahas that came out of it? I can almost anticipate what that might be, but are any other ahas that came out of that uh, symposium last week? There were a lot of ahas in terms of 
conversation in relation mm-hmm. to working from home and the wage and hour rules. I'm not on the legal side, so I don't yep. want to opine, but I yep. would say you want to run that by your legal counsel in terms of whether you're using the outside sales exemption or not. That seems to be a hot topic. Alice, I don't know if you want to uh, say any more on that, but that seems to be a, a topic of interest for a lot of the HR directors in addition to a lot of discussion around diversity, inclusion, and equity initiatives at mortgage companies. Yeah. Alice said uh, she apologized. She had she wrote me a note. Tell Marina how much I enjoyed having her on the podcast. I, she had to run to a meeting. Uh, so she wanted me to send that pass out on to you. But also, I think what's really interesting, I'm sure that came out of there, was the retention and recruiting challenges. It's just such, it's probably got to be the Absolutely. number one for everybody there. Absolutely. When we did a poll, actually, that was their number one concern was retention and recruiting. So good point. Good stuff. And Marina, thank you so much for being here with us. We've had as our guest, Marina Walsh, Vice President, Industry Analyst at the MBA, and her latest title is CMB. Congratulations. <laughs> Celebrating that. Thank you. Thank you, you all. all. The best. But anyway, thanks so much for being here with us. Good to have you with us, listeners. Thank you so much, Les Parker, for joining us on this interview. Andy Shell, Alice Alvey, Alan, all the others. Thank you so much for being here. As a part of this, next week, we've got Mike coming on of the CMLA. Very excited to have him, Michael uh, Jones uh, of CFO of Thrive Mortgage. We're going to be talking about what some of their focus is, what they're looking at. Love how these agencies work together. Special thank you to all of our sponsors, uh, Finastra, CMLA, MBA, Indicom, Accelerate, and with Advisors. Uh, Mobility RD, Modex, and all the others. Check them out on our sponsorship page. Appreciate you being here, everyone. Have a great week and look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.